0: Take two,
1: take round two, round two, chapter twenty-five. Uh, you, you're all accustomed to this now. This is the second time through. You've mm-hmm. you've, you've coped with that. It's become part of your reality. Uh, David almost died this week to bring you this content. Uh, uh, running, running, into cr- cars have been told. I would, you know what? I I, t- I was, you say that I was actually on the way to record. You this. Was, no, that that's the thing. That- he literally almost he he almost went down as a martyr for the cause. Uh, thankfully we didn't have to do that. Um, airbags are wonderful. Airbags are wonderful. Uh, uh, Toss outs for the beginning of this episode. Uh, just just to contextualize it, in case you don't know what's going on in the world, Venezuela is happening, so we will probably make references to that throughout we will this make episode. Lots and
0: lots of so that
1: is vital. If you want to date this episode, Venezuela happened like four days ago. That's happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, and I've I I usually keep up on this very well, and I was the first two days of it, and I haven't actually kept up with it these last two days. So Nathan's uh, gonna have even more input on that than No,
1: me, I, was, I just did Maduro's speech that he gave today was pretty darn good. Oh, it
0: good, was good. Very, very. I love. I trust Maduro to give a good speech. It was very it was good.
1: Wonderful. And the and they got slapped down in the UN. Pretty the, the UN Security Council kind of came at them hard and heavy. Which That's
0: was good. good. I was expecting at least a Russian veto. Now I will say. Oh yeah, Russians. That were. I will say that you know I mean the the, the UN hasn't exactly stopped the. US oh god, other places. no. You know it's not. It's Super powerful. It's it's a, another facade. Yeah, we got we love talking about those facades. Facades are falling. Um, but uh, but at least they don't have like the U.S and the u.n behind them it's like the u.s and maybe canada and yeah you know well not maybe canada they're in on it oh no canada's all in (laughs) brazil that's the really scary thing and why the heat i mean all this suddenly heated up with bolsonaro there that yeah i mean that's that's not coincidental nicaragua stood up nicaragua stood
1: up russia stood up china stood up south africa stood up
0: yes and nicaragua just finished standing up for themselves very very well um so, you know, kudos to Rafael Ortega there, you know, standing up for his people.
1: And on the other side of it, Bill Mayer came out and said, Monroe Doctrine, though, we should do this. And so uh, the world is a shitstorm, as always. Uh, and so where where do we go when we have shitstorms? Well, we go to Marx, goddammit, because it yes. makes us feel better. <laughs> and by feel better, that's, I mean have a crippling existential dread,
0: but give us at least some context for it, which is fun, right? Right. Okay. Right? So, Chapter 25. Now, I don't want to make anything after Chapter 25 less important because, if anything, those aren't emphasized enough and we will go into oh, them here. Oh, yeah. No, we especially will them with here. current events. But Chapter 25 <laughs> is kind of the big crescendo to yes. Capital Volume 1. It's yes. the climax.
1: Or at least, the, this is the absolute climax of the logical argument that he's making. Yes. Constructing this... this scientific theory of capital accumulation and what it is uh this is the uh, this is the end point this is the the climax of all of that
0: yes we've we've spent several chapters finding out that vader is actually luke's father yes and now vader is throwing palpatine just into the abyss i
1: I, now the problem with that is is that is a good climax where good things have happened and, and and this is just saying but they're gonna fuck you forever and you're gonna die um, so,
0: so well, it's... I mean, but Marx's revolutionary <laughs> theory. So this is preparing us for that. If yeah. we did nothing, this would be done. okay. Okay. Go, okay. Go. So anyway, chapter twenty-five is the general law of capitalist accumulation, and now that's a title that should be making some sense at this point. It is. It is. Now, yeah. that being
1: said, I, I had this critique the first time we went through, and I'm going to have it again. I personally do not like the use of the word law. Yeah, yeah, I would, fine. I would greatly, greatly prefer something to the effect of tendency or, 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 you know, general uh, law makes it sound too rigid. And if there's one thing we've learned about capitalism, it's not rigid. And tr- when, when you put something in a in a black and white statement like that, it makes it very easy for non-Marxists to go, well, if it doesn't work, poop 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 your law's wrong, and then it just proves it, and, and we're doing science, so you got to be careful there. But- yeah,
0: I mean, I mean, we've talked about this for several chapters, that this is going to be the last one of this big pedal up to if capitalism worked perfectly. And along the way, we're going to find out a lot of things that actually happen in capitalism, uh-huh. and we're going to emphasize them, and they're going to help us understand capitalism as a system, and so they can help us understand actually changing capitalism capitalism, actually fighting back and making something yeah. our own way and, and how to stop these underlying power dynamics that are actually causing all these problems. But we are still working in these parameters to discover these things. This is, that's what you do in a scientific experiment. This yep. is a science.
1: General you know, you, you, theory of capitalist accumulation would have made me happy. If I, yeah. if I can give, if I can give Engels some some extra editorial notes, just change that word. It'll feel a lot I am, better.
0: I am not going to have the brass balls to give Engels. He's dead. He notes. can't come back and fight me. I can give the <laughs> notes. All right. So we're going to start with section one. That is the increased demand for labor power that accompanies accumulation. The composition of capital remaining the same.
1: That sounds a lot more boring than it actually is. It's yes. actually fairly, fairly interesting. So don't, don't let the big title heading get you confused. Marx yes. gets into the good stuff here.
0: So we're going to start off. He's going to say the composite of, composition of capital is to be understood in a twofold sense. On the side of value, it's determined by the proportion in which is divided into constant capital or value of the means of production and variable capital or value of labor power, the sum total of wages, on the side of material as it functions in the process of production, all capital is divided into means of production and living labor power. This latter composition is determined by the relation between the mass of the means of production employed on one hand and the mass of labor power necessary for their employment on the other. I call the former value composition and the latter the technical composition. And between the two, there's a strict correlation. Yes. Yes. To, yeah, and to express this, I call the value composition capital insofar it's determined by the technical composition and mirrors changes the the latter the organic composition of capital.
1: Yeah, and uh, as again, this chapter is really important, and that sentence kind of gives you the big o- overarching how he terms them. And yet, I still don't think I could give you a very good rundown of the technical versus the organic versus oh, the other.
0: Okay, so it's it's pretty simple, and 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 it, it's actually a really simple. This is one of the more important things of of Marxism that that people need to understand. And we've been kind of at this since the beginning because he went back and he didn't just take money for granted. He said, mm-hmm. what is money? Yeah, you know? Oh yes. Oh we 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 took nothing for granted. Yeah and, and of course we went through the droll we, But that's why chapter three was insanely droll like that, because you had to understand that money being more universal is what gave it more power than something of equal value. And the reason, the the thing that means is that's a social relation, right? A social relation of something strict, but tangible. Social relation of something... Tangible in a sense, but not totally tangible. Only tangible for exchange, but universal, okay? This is saying, well, these are going to have a close social relation tie. So what he's saying is, like, the means of production, they're, they're, they're both the value. Like, I have $9 million in factories, but I also have actual factories, okay. okay? And then I have, you know, maybe $9 million in workers on wages, but I also just have actual physical workers doing the work, Mm-hmm. You know, the organic is the physical factories and the physical workers. The value is how much of the factories are worth and what's constant capital and how much is the variable capital, and that's what you're going to focus okay. on squeezing value So of.
1: that's the technical composition is the act- is the black and white paper stuff. The organic composition is like the actual in the world, what are those things? Yes, and they work?
0: yes. Oh, okay. And the importance of that there concept is understanding the social relation. It's why we can't just say, you know, take all the rich people's money and like you know, if you don't change, if you don't overturn the government or take away the guns or yes. do any of that, like all the power structures stay the same, and we just take some money from some people and hand it to other people. Well, they still have the fucking guns and own well, the factories, and, and you know, if you important. don't change the private property or any of that, and, you know, I mean, it's it's the social relations. And almost and, to and put it in so. more, you know, black
1: and whitey Marxist terms, you, if we can change the base of all of this, we can uh-huh. have we can seize our means of production. We can do all of that. You can seize the physical stuff. But if you don't change the superstructure that that, that built upon that, you're still not going to get
0: really anywhere because it's going to all slowly kind of creep backwards. Yeah, I, I don't know if I quite put it like that because the base is going to radically change the superstructure. What you're talking about is is um, if you don't actually change the base itself, like what the base is. Okay, I, so so hold on, hold on. No, so no, 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 no. This is important. This it is, is important because this is a big this is a big thing. This is. is you can't think of this as just wealth. Okay? No, you cannot. Because what makes rich people rich? We, I mean, we've this, right? We, the, the, what, yeah. all oh, The series is of
1: events that have led up to this and all of the exploitation and the theft. Yeah. What, and what is wealth?
0: Wealth is not needing to work. You mm-hmm. can work if you want to, but you don't have to. And power and the power to have people work for you, yes. to have things work for you. Well, you could take all the money in the world and flip it on end. You could make money worthless. You could just zap the dollar out of existence. Some other money's going to come back in its place as long as the power relations are still there. Right. It's a social relation. Okay, and so the reason Marx says that, it says, you know, there's all this value in theory that exposes the social relation, but it's the physical private properties that you can hold over by force, and there's some kind of... And that force can be disguised in money and choice and all that stuff and law and all that, and he's broken that down, but he's saying as long as there's some force of power where you have this private property, this means of production, that other people don't get to own their own work, right? And then you have these people... Okay, that's what's really important. And we've exemplified all of that with value. And without understanding how value moves, you can't understand that social relationship. Okay, so that's why he's sitting there and meeting this out. So we're going to get into some things like polarization, centralization. And when you're hearing this, you should not just be hearing centralization of money, centralization of constant capital. You should hear those things. That's how the system works. But you should also hear centralization of power, yeah. centralization of, you know, I mean, it's just like you couldn't go out there and run for president. And, you know, I mean, just think about that. Stop yeah. there for a second and say, could I go run for president and win the presidency?
1: Alex, Pagan,
0: no, you couldn't. <laughs> no, no, you can't. But Donald Trump sure as fuck could. Yep. Michael Bloomberg's trying. Well, Michael was trying. I the mean, guy that owned Starbucks did it today. Right. I mean, they may, and, 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 and they may not win, but they, well, Trump did, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they have a realistic shot. Yes. yes. You don't. Nope. Because of their social relation. Yep. So they own all of this property their that makes that... Capital, yeah, they, they they make all of this property that makes that possible. Yep. Okay? But it's not it's not the property that's important. The property is just the vehicle for this. Yes. It's the social relation that's important. But the social relation is completely conducted by the property. And that's what the base is. The base is the social relation. It says property is power and property is defended. And property can make more property whereas people without property cannot, and that reinforces the power. That's the real base. We
1: will leave that there for now, because we... Yeah, I, we're going to come back to that. The context, I think for the context of this, uh, there is no... That is a, that is as good a, of, of where we need to get as it is. I think there is nuance in there, but I don't think it really plays... I, I think, again, at the root cause of it, mm-hmm. no... Absolutely not. Yes, you are absolutely right as to how it goes. I think the debate between how much of the base will get us where we want and how much of it's in the superstructure kind of comes out. Oh shit, sure. well, those more, are both gonna matter. And we're gonna get we're gonna we will get there much more if we get when it, well not if when we eventually we're we're going to Lenin next, but if and when we get to uh, to Chairman Mao, we will definitely get more into the what's the <laughs> relation between the base and the superstructure? Because if there's one guy that did it pretty well, it is it is Mr. Mao.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he faced again. You know, Marx focused on value. Lenin focused on how do you turn this into a revolution. Mao focused on how do you get the base and surface structure right? Yep.
1: They and, all have uh, their so contributions. They, yeah. So. That's
0: why you don't have to pick one, guys. They all right. did something. They all help. All right. So getting back to where, you know, we've said, Mark said synonymous, right? So if we're having more factories, we have more of the value composition capital. Also, if you have more of the value composition capital, we're going to have more stuff. Mm-hmm. Or at least, you know, like, I mean, it was dry powder that can turn into that stuff. Right. Okay. So he's going to say, growth of capital involves growth of its variable constituent or the part invested in labor power. A part of the surplus value turned into additional capital must always be retransformed into variable capital or additional labor fund. If we suppose that all other circumstances remaining the same, the composition of capital also remains constant, that a definite mass of means of production constantly needs the same mass of labor power to set it in motion, then the demand for labor and the substance fund of the laborers clearly increase in the same proportion as the capital, and... The more rapidly, the more rapidly the capital increases. So he's saying, you know, if 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 for every... And we talked about this when I did a simple Gilder's example before where I talked about, you know, having the tools for three people mm-hmm. and you can't hire 10 unless you have the tools for 10. Yeah. You know, if you have a straight one-to-one, well, as capital goes up, you still need a laborer to replace that. So we don't even have to start worrying about these ratios of variable capital to... to um, um, constant capital if the constant capital grows you're going to need laborers to go with it correct okay always that's there's and and that again this is going to
1: a lot of what he's setting the groundwork for because this is a lot of there's a lot of heavy stuff in this chapter um and then there's a lot of a very good practical easy to understand stuff in this chapter the 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 stuff that gets really nitty-gritty and you're like why the hell are you going this deep in it it is specifically because this is there is some very black and white assumptions that, it, that the, the fun vulgar economists made um, <laughs> in relation to well growth you saw you saw it the other day at uh, the at Davos when they're doing their fun billionaires get together and laugh at the poor thing oh, um, yeah, when they, yeah. they you know there are there are some things that people will just say especially the the, the ruling class will just say well taxes stunt growth and if you if you if you have increase in wages they, like they will say it like it's an axiom. And it's absolutely not. It's just no. point blank not. And Marx is basically laying the groundwork to be able to say scientifically, to say mathematically, no, that's not how this works. And yeah. this has been I mean, that stuff.
0: That's stuff that's like not only blatantly untrue, but it could be stuff that's mostly untrue. It's still not axiomatic. And exactly. They're those assumptions. And Marx is building. All of these things kind of go into the final
1: analysis, and they can be things that we've long since gotten past. Uh-huh. Um, you see that a lot with Marx; is that he's he's fighting a fight that we thankfully don't have to fight anymore yeah. because we've gotten past it. But there's the, the underlying fact and the underlying need for, for there. There is still
0: those arguments will still get fallen back on by exactly the every once in a while. That's what it's all all really based on. Exactly. You know, I mean, we talked about this. Uh, when we were talking about materialism versus idealism. I don't know if that got lost. Uh, But, you know, I mean, liberalism is an idealist concept, right? (laughs) Yeah. And it's very much, you know, the the social contract and um, what was the other uh, big writing? It was a John Smith writing, and then there was a social contract by Rousseau. And those are basically... Social social contract was, or you're talking about Locke? John Locke? Maybe I'm thinking of John Locke. Yeah. Rousseau, I think, did social social contract. Okay. So basically Rousseau and Locke, and those kind of ideas are basically what wrote the, the U.S. Constitution. You well, know? Yeah, the, and it's supposed to be this this stupe, poor divine thing, and the great men wrote it. And then, and they, even then, if you ignore those roots, it's the founding fathers gave us this brilliance, the checks and balances, and da, 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 you know, and all that stuff, right? And that's that's idealism. And then you have you know materialism, which is like, well, no, I mean these were <laughs> slaveholders, and they yeah. wanted to protect their slaves, but they also didn't want to have the power su- siphoned off to England anymore, yeah. so they you know did their own model and and stuff like that, right? So I mean, you have to understand that these old underlying arguments were what this was all based on. You know, it's, the 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 um, economy, the laws. This kind. Of, I mean, it's all based on these liberal theorists that Marx is going toe to toe with. So some of this stuff is going to seem dated, or maybe you've never even run into it before. Yep. But it's at the base of what you've run into. Because there are th- exactly, and there's. But there are some other times that if you go, "Whoa, well, this is all stuff."
1: there's going to be some stuff we're going to get to here towards the end that is literally just no like... <laughs> it, like he made his equation, and said, "Well, if this is true, this is absolutely going to happen." And he called it 150 years ago, and is absolutely correct. And the, oh, we get to some good ones of those Nostradamus is coming up here pretty soon. So he's going to say, uh, and I'm going to read a lot in this next section. Yeah, yeah. There's a, I have. The big walls of yellow are highlighted.
0: Yeah, coming big, up here guys. big walls of yellow. All right. So we've got uh, the more or less favorable circumstances in which the wage working class supports and multiplies itself. In no way alter the fundamental character of capitalist production. A simple reproduction constantly reproduces the capital relation. The relation to capitalists on one hand and wage workers on the other, so that reproduction on a progressive scale, i.e., accumulation, reproduces the capital relation on a progressive scale. More capitalists or larger capitalists at this pole and more wage workers at that pole. So this is, and, and I'm going to keep reading on this. No, moment. no, no. Take a break right here so that I can emphasize that. So he's saying that, you know, I mean, the more and more this happens, things are going to start pulling apart and there's going to be a north to this magnet and a south to this magnet.
1: This constant phrase of there is no more middle class that you hear, that's exactly what this is talking about. When you pull the taffy at both ends, the middle becomes dangerously thin. Right, and there really was
0: no middle class. That was a faux thing that was shoved back in from these half measures to stave off communism. And when they've broken back down through neoliberalism, that middle class goes away. It's gone away. And all that middle class was was kind of this facade that the greedy could accumulate in the meantime. Communism could get killed over here even though it was actually going to liberate us. And the global South could get torn to shreds. So that middle class wasn't that great of a thing. It's nothing to strive for. We don't, we don't just want the New Deal nope. back.
1: But, but for the last 50 years, we've systematically destroyed everything that made that class
0: of people possible. Right. When Clinton said, you know, he's going to end welfare as we know it, and did it. Oh, he right? did. yeah, he did. That was the biggest knife in the middle class. Yep. Reaganomics was a huge knife in the middle class. Yep. These crime laws and these drug wars were a huge knife in the, the middle class. I mean, this is is just well in deregulation in general. The concept of deregulation oh, yeah. does not there is no there is no
1: middle class average Joe that is benefiting from private mm-hmm. deregulated markets and and
0: all of these things. It does not it no. only benefits a small selection. Yeah and again it, it just pulls the And the attacks over. the attacks of the unionization since the fifties. Oh my God yes those those have been you know unionization was a large part of what made that middle class even though you know the government kind of got a lot of credit for that. And oh. then they dissolved the unionization and and the things polarized, you know? I mean and, Marx what Marx was talking about had already come true that's where we got the Great Depression it was undone by half measures to save off communism even though what Marx you know spoke for was actually doing really well around the world because the powers that be didn't want that Mm -hmm. and then those half measures were dissolved because that wasn't really the end goal of powers that be and this middle class that came up went away and we're right back to these polls right back you know and and the big swift kick that should have woken everyone up and I guess kind of got some of the stuff tumbling was obviously 2008 yes you know, but it, and it's not but like 2008 quickly, did all this. But look at how
1: quickly that... the end of a long line of but things. But look at how quickly that all is gone. The the, yeah. the, the lessons of that are gone. We no, are completely We gone. are immediately back to... We are back to higher level of credit debt in this country than we've uh-huh. ever been at. We're getting right back into the same style of mortgage lending that got us mm-hmm. there. We're doing all of the same things that we did. Prior. It literally <laughs> took them less than a decade to completely wipe that. And again, what happened during the Great Recession? Capital... The capitalists did not lose during that. No, no one no capitalist was hurt by that. The the proletariat
0: was hurt very badly. Yeah, working class wealth was handed right to the banks and bailouts, mostly black wealth, because yeah. that's how it always goes in this country. Yes. Obama. Barack Obama yeah, decimated black yeah, wealth. Yeah,
1: very. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's going to not reflect so, well in the history books. Yeah, yeah. Um, so don't ever forget that. No, you know? but, but more importantly, um, it's just it again. It ripped it away. It, it knocked the, the 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 that group down a peg. It knocked yeah. the proletariat back. It shot the other pole up. And it was it just radically. And then we went back to normal, and everyone just pretended like it didn't happen.
0: Yeah. It, it is. It is. Well, because the, gr- the, the media told us to pretend like it didn't happen. They would stop yes. panicking. Yes. You it know. Was, and and it shows you for people that I mean, and that's the thing. People, if you ever, ever, ever want someone to realize, like, people that sit there and say, blah, you know, blah country over there, they listen to propaganda, and they're mesmerized. If you want want people to realize that Americans, by far, are the most propagandized people in human history by leaps and bounds, just simply point out that 2008 happened, and then we spend eight years pretending everything was all right because the media told (laughs) us it was fine. Yep. Who in the when nothing happened but banks got money? Nope. Yeah. I mean, what, who the fuck how that just shows you how much power narrative has. Nobody
1: went to jail. Nobody went to jail. None. Nobody went. to
0: No, no, not the Bush for the uh, Bush uh, uh, administration for the war crimes. Nope. Not anybody in the financial industry who did any of that. No one's gone, jail. No one's gone that, to jail. More importantly,
1: for the opioid. You're crisis. gonna you're gonna say we, we you can almost give the the, the Bush people a pass because well it's war and we do awful shit and we acknowledge that. But private. I mean, all of the all of oh, the, the financial banks? crisis. Yeah, they caused a,
0: a a crisis of untold proportions. None of them were held liable for well, it. And people forgot some of those details leading up to that. People forget the Tyco and Enron mm-hmm. cut and runs.
1: Oh my God, Enron. You want a good? It, 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 we don't have time to get into it. You want a great analysis of Enron? Hi, this is my daily Dalit plug. Their episode on Enron is phenomenal.
0: Oh, yeah. I phenomenal. Mean, they even made, there was a Jim Carrey movie making fun of that shit. And yep. and, and people still forgot about it, even Just though it was it the main jokes of movie, because it was right in front of us. That's when people were the most pissed off. And then it led directly to 2008, and then people went, whoop, and then we bailed out the banks, and it was all fine. Because <laughs> the media yep. smiled and gave us thumbs up. Us it was fine. So, but anyway, the point is, this polarization happened. It happened all the way. Got undone a little bit, because the working class fought back. But some of the undoing things kind of gummed up the, the getting us to socialism works. Yes. And so since we're still in capitalism, it's come right back. Yeah.
1: You. And if you, if you talk to the, the old, if you listen to at least the the, the scholars and the, the people that, that have stayed Marxist from the late 50s, early 60s, all the way through uh-huh. to now, you hear them talk. And they literally would talk like we thought they thought they were there in the 60s. They literally thought in the 70s. We are a, a couple cycles away from from socialism in this country. We had it; it was happening around the world. They were pretty confident it was going to happen. So to watch that, and then they're all watching 2008, going, "How do you all not see that this is exactly what we said was going to happen? Like how yeah. how have we just completely blown past it and gone on and like not not had another revolution? And it's again, ever since the 60s, we have systematically destroyed labor in this country. We've 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 done everything we can to demonize the concept of of, of union and and labor yeah. organization. It's just insane.
0: Yeah, the uh, quote-unquote intelligence community uh, was frighteningly effective with cointail press. Good God. Uh, that and policies were frighteningly effective with organization and labor. And, of course, they integrated into a lot of parties and, and, and ruined yeah. a lot of that shit, too. And then they were frighteningly effective at decimating Global South. Third-worldism might have worked, except the CIA yeah. fucked it up. If um, you,
1: but if you want to see... If the most encouraging thing to me right now from a I-think-people-might-get-it perspective is the, the shutdown that we just ended... Yeah, the quote-unquote oh, shutdown. Yeah, but if you don't see, like, if that doesn't wake people up to that labor has power, the F, the air traffic control had to threaten, had to hint that they might be just about to walk out. And that thing ended quick and it her. You shut yep. down LaGuardia for a day and this ended. We You absolutely... If you had a general strike in this country, you... A general oh, strike transport is,
0: is everything right now. A transport general strike
1: in this country would be as effective as a guillotine, like, on their doorsteps. Yeah. It is the equivalent. It is the same thing. Yeah. And, and the a- fact that we cannot
0: materialize anything like that is it just Yeah, Yeah, I mean, and you've got to remember, too, you know, that that when we talk about how polarized this ha- has happened and how all these jobs are overseas from these, you know, not just the free trade agreements, but the natural imperial of capital, which we'll get to, oh. you know that too and we talk about how they rip up the global south and and we have these reparations to pay well how the hell do we siphon wealth away from the global south if nothing moves how the hell do we make this tiny atomized consumer market where you're always worried about buying shit and you're never worried about like well what do I contribute why am I contributing stuff my boss not getting is and we have to tell you all this this theory you know how do you think any of that happens without stuff moving there's a lot of this is a physical movement economy people think of a it's a service economy or that's that's a nonsense. e-commerce we'll see it's it's a physical movement Economy and the less brick and mortar retail stores, the more true that is. But even on a even before that consumer level, it's been a physical movement economy on a commercial level for a long time. It's a physical movement economy because this entire country, we're still in a privy accumulation, and and we're destroying indigenous peoples lands and we are siphoning everything from this land and other than the horrible imperialism, the other thing that has made America so successful is just the abundant resources in this land. But those resources are regional. They take a lot of working together. And, of course, all the exploitation from the global south. I mean, none of this happens. You know, you don't hear oil pipeline if oil doesn't fucking matter. I mean, why do you think that... Obviously, America goes into other countries and does things for more than just oil, and don't oh, want to oversimplify yeah. that. Yeah, to
1: simplify it down to that is, is not... Right, I mean, it's not, not... giving them their justice for all
0: their other awful yeah. imperial motives. It's not like it's an accident that South Africa and Tel Aviv were, like, the diamond capitals of, of the world. You know, I mean, that's... You know, it's it's... it's it's no you know, but that said, the reason oil is the thing you tangibly always see war happening from and you see it in Venezuela right now. Yeah. You saw it in Libya, you saw it in uh I mean you see the partnership with Saudi Arabia, you saw it in Iraq. I mean, what the fuck do you think oil is for? It yeah. makes things move. Mm. This is a transportation economy. If we shut down trucking and delivery people and fucking airports, if you're seaports. Just- the whole damn thing would it, explode. Truckers and airport just shit. Truckers, gone to shit. Truckers and, and airlines.
1: Truckers and airlines for a week, and yeah. you, you could get whatever we would have. We Medicare for all would be like the least of our worries. It would be <laughs> oh my god. We would be so.
0: It um, would be nineteen seventeen uh, women's women's march yep. type stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the entire empire would just it go. Would, and we're we're essentially at war. I mean, we're we're in constant World War One. Yeah, it just we've it's just it's subtle. Uh, so I mean, you know that would that would kill it. We'd say war bad. We own the transportation. It would be done. Be, it would no, be just fucking be, done. It'd be gone. And it also,
1: speaking of, oil, did you see Rubio's tweet? Just oh currently? god, no. Oh, no. So oh oh, would he openly? Openly? Yeah, <laughs> openly? Like oh yeah, my oil buddies would love it if we invaded Venezuela. Did, did you know that Chevron and Valdez are like the biggest <laughs> buyers of Venezuelan oil? Hopefully, we can get these wheels moving. Like, you said the quiet part out loud, Marco.
0: <laughs> quiet part out loud. Okay, so we're gonna get back to marks after the. the this is gonna be a long polls, ass episode, guys. Yes, Deal this is gonna with be a this bit. Gonna <laughs> long ass episode. Deal <laughs> with it. We're gonna cut into parts. Dear God. Okay, so then Marx is going to continue. The reproduction of mass labor power, which must incessantly reincorporate itself with capital for that capital self expansion, which cannot get free from capital, and whose enslavement to capital is only concealed by the variety of <laughs> individual capitalists to whom it sells itself. And we've been over that. Yes, we have. have uh this reproduction of labor power forms in fact the essential of the reproduction of capital itself The accumulation of capital is therefore increase of the proletariat and that can mean increase like we grow our population growth you know and, and notice notice uh, in the overpopulation racist woes they're they're crying that America's population isn't going up but it also can mean like as they centralize and monopolize they throw people out of the ruling class especially the bourgeois, Put petty bourgeois. That's uh, that's also increased the proletariat. I mean, it's always we've They're, talked about the whole book. It it's we're gonna, the and we're gonna get there black and white, so we don't. It, yeah, that is all. Any concept, any talk
1: of well, population, and it's the fault of It's over. It's under. It's a lie. It's black and white. It's a fucking lie. It's absolutely not true. Oh yeah, no. Um, and it, it is it, the capitalist will always, the, in, the, always the, in this system. Something. They will always tweak it to however they need it to survive it does there uh-huh. is nothing no threat of population ever threatens their 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 hold on it doesn't work <laughs> um, nope. i'm gonna take a i'm gonna take a paragraph sure classical political political economy grasped this fact so thoroughly that adam smith ricardo etc as mentioned earlier inaccurately identified accumulation with the consumption by productive workers of the whole of the capitalized part of the surplus product or with the transformation of the surplus product into additional wage laborers. Bellers was already saying this in 1696. For if one had 100,000 acres of land, and as many pounds in money, and as many cattle, without a laborer, what would the rich man be but a laborer? And as the laborers make men rich, so the more laborers there will be, the more rich men. The labor of the poor being the minds of the
0: rich. Yes, and again, that's what we said a couple chapters ago. What is wealth? Wealth is not working and having, you know, I mean, wealth is you think about, oh, it's sitting on the beach, sipping pina coladas. Well, who's serving you the pina coladas? Why aren't you dead from starvation from wasting your damn time on the beach like some kind of beach bum? You know, I mean, it's having the masses work for you. And all the power and gratitude and things come with it. It's what, what essentially is, this, is, is emphasized by Mark at the beginning of the chapter and why I wanted to disseminate that so much. Yeah. It's the social relation. It's the power to have people do for you so you don't have to do for you. You could choose to do for yourself just because you want to expand your power that much more or you have some weird hobby or whatever, but you don't have to do for you to survive.
1: And it's right here, Black. It would be easier where property is well secured to live without money than without the poor. Yep. Mm-hmm. Period. Absolutely. But one sentence, I mean, that one sentence That's the is, social relation, right? That there. is it. And that's that's it. it. And again, we go through all of this <laughs> and, the, and that sentence let, work.
0: Let's finish that up to the question
1: mark. Please. For who would do the work? There it is. Yep. Yeah, for who would do... <laughs> as they, the poor, ought to be kept from starving so they should receive nothing worth saving. It is literally just keep them alive
0: just enough. Yes. Just enough. Uh, if here and there one of the lowest class by uncommon industry and pinching his belly lifts himself above the condition he was brought up in... By his, his bootstraps! By his the bootstraps! If it, if it fucking happens, nobody ought to hinder him. Nay, it is undeniably the wisest course for every person in society and for every private family to be frugal. But it's the interest of all rich nations that the greatest part of the poor, almost everyone else, should almost never be idle and yet continually spend what they get. It's okay if... 10% of, and it's never up to 10%, it's worse no. now than ever, but if 10% of people could go poor and get rich, if there's these thousands of, of people that pulled them up by their bootstraps, if these you know people come from the bottom of everything this theory works just for these right hard workers, as long as most people are toiling away making your wealth worth something, that no matter how hard they work, and you get to sit there with your thumb up your ass, telling people what to do, and telling them how they didn't succeed by these people that went all the way up. You know, and, and and every every lottery winner that hits it big, every every musician that goes from poor to to the top, every every you know athlete that hits it rich, every guy that has a good idea and gets that that, that just the right copyright that usually works against you go his way. You know, I mean everybody that that just does the right thing and shoots up. It's just this false glimmer of 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 hope mm-hmm. to keep you toiling. It's and that's what he said. It's all the better. I mean they they saw this plainly in the 18th century and to be clear, that this was bullshit. This
1: isn't Marx saying this. No, everything we've been Bernard saying. Bernard Mandeville. Is, this, is, this is one of the Ricardo gang. This is one of, this is literally them saying,
0: yeah, we totally need poor people. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, this is the guys that said this is all just and perfect and yeah. this is a meritocracy. By the way, we need hard-ass working people to stay poor and it's good that someone slips through to be wealthy yeah. to fool everyone else and keep them working. Yep. They were openly lying. Yeah. So, and I'm going to skip the next few uh, sentences that go right to, unless you want to, but I'm going to go right to, from what has been said, it is manifest that in a free nation where slaves are not allowed of, the surest wealth consists of the multitude of laborious poor. For besides what they have never failing nursery of fleets of armies, without them, there could be no enjoyment and no production of any country to be valuable. To make society, which of course consists of non-workers, happy and people easier under the meanest circumstances, it is requisite that great numbers of them should be ignorant as well as poor knowledge both and this is why they always try to cut school funding and shit yep. knowledge both enlarges and multiplies our desires and the fewer things a man wishes for the more easily his necessities may be supplied as long as you're dumb and consuming and thinking this next iPhone will make you happy and you 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 know and and Marx is is this ghoul and you're not reading him because he's terrible and he'll do these things and and Stalin is personally like chewing up bones of children and and all this stuff as long as you're dumb and believe that this all works that much better. And I think the, first, the, the sentence right before that I think is important too, and it's
1: the only thing then that can render the laboring man industrious is a moderate quantity of money. For yes. too little, according to his temper, will either make him dispirited or desperate, and too much will make him insolent or lazy. Yes. Literally, that they're, they're, they have acknowledged... These are the people
0: that believe in human nature. And I, I don't believe the human nature thing, but I believe no. the base could drive you to be a certain way. But that Marx is, uh, certainly believes but that. They knew,
1: they acknowledge but they it,
0: acknowledge that. They,
1: they, all of the things they're that Marx human, has
0: said where you can't pay them, you can't get it
1: to zero. They recognize you can't get it to zero because they'll become desperate and do something about it. But then there's just, just to say if they make too much will make him insolent and lazy... How the fuck do you have the, the mental gymnastics to say if I give a worker too much money, he's going to be lazy and uppity, but I should have all the money. It makes me a
0: good person. What the? is wrong with you? Because because it's easy to make yourself think that and not think that through if it makes yourself better. I mean, it's just, it's how people like being right. You know, they'll tell tell themselves, oh, no, no, everything I heard about communism being bad and everything I heard about Assad being bad really is true because then otherwise I would have said something wrong and done something wrong before and it's a lot better to go with crazy Russian conspiracy agent things than think I was wrong (laughs) with something in an unfair situation that's designed to make me wrong. You know, I mean, it's just, it's insane how that's, the human mind thinks. And that's the thing, guys, is, like, at this point,
1: it's super easy to acknowledge that we were wrong. Like, like it, I know <laughs> it'll take some pushback initially when you're like... Yeah, it probably doesn't feel good it to acknowledge it, that at this point. Originally, but at a certain point, you can at least comfort yourself in knowing it was designed like that. It was yeah. designed to keep you, like, they have spent more money than has ever been made in history to keep you from knowing what was actually happening and how it was working. And admitting that they got you...
0: They got everybody for a very long time. It's oh, yeah. okay. Like, if I, if me right now could say that you could go back in in a time machine, a 25-year-old me, and that's, I know that's not how relatively works. <laughs> Let's say you could go back in a time machine, all the science fiction was true, go to 25-year-old me, okay, and somehow kill that douchebag piece of shit without killing me right now. <laughs> fucking do it. Yeah. Because that guy was a dick. We've yeah. all been wrong. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. We've all been wrong. It happens, but you have to get past doubling
1: that. down on it. Though it is and, not and, good. knowing that. All right. Well, I've dug in now. Sunk cost fallacy. I must die on this cross. Yeah. Don't do that. Just acknowledge it. Move on. Don't go, Jen Kirkman, and, and yeah. And and, and I do.
0: Detail. I do. I almost blew past this. I do want to come back to this. You know, it is manifest that in a free nation where slaves are not allowed, of the surest wealth consists of the all too laborious poor. Now, this is, and for people that don't understand where I was going with the colonialism base thing that I've mentioned yes. okay this is a nation that's that's not only fully in capitalism but it's permanently in primitive accumulation yes. and so when you look at our history of slavery the only reason we had you know the only reason there was this whole America story that still hangs on to people. America, the, the land of opportunity. Well, what was that opportunity? That opportunity was the ability to come, siphon off natural resources from people who are being genocided because these other people are the slaves doing all the work. They're, they're, hand, they're being the poor. You don't have to be the poor now. Now you get to be rich. And the concept of the minor, modern immigrant didn't happen yeah. until the end of the Civil War.
1: Yeah. and And more importantly, to... We never got rid of slavery in this country. No, 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 no. no. We changed it.
0: Yeah. We, we changed its color. But it's it's less readily available. It's you got to rest- have the the crime. Oh, yeah, you've yeah, got to yeah, yeah, trump yeah. up
1: some charges and get people in jail first. But right. then you
0: absolutely still have slavery. <laughs> right, right. We still mean, have
1: slave labor driving a large chunk of our economy.
0: Absolutely, it? absolutely. But it is down to only the... By far, largest cultural state in human history. Well, yeah, we've incarcerated more people than every
1: other country like in the
0: world. Yeah, like combined, combined probably, yeah. I think. We, we're really good I, I, like, No, I'm not exaggerating. I'm no, pretty sure that's, that's accurate. the I think it it's more than combined. Yes. Um, but um, anyway, yeah. I mean, even with that, it's still not the numbers there was of chattel slavery. So Correct. now there's going to be more of a poor. And, yeah. and of course, you know, that was needed to liberate ourselves, but also meant there were poor white people around all of a sudden. um, And then, bam, you had a Great Depression. (laughs) Yeah! And then, and then when you had these redlining policies in the New Deal that were specifically to make the white people rich again, to keep them happy, those had to get dissolved because there aren't enough poor people. I will say it again, you can't say the words white supremacy doesn't benefit white people because it, it does. The whole situation I just talked about obviously exists. Cops aren't super likely to say, shoot me. But, In the end, it's always going to swing around and get you, too, unless you are in the true ruling class. White supremacy does benefit you, even though it's still evil and you should hate it. But the effects, what it's there to support, will hurt you. More than the white supremacy will help even help you. you. It's And again... And that, it just hurts everyone who's not in the true ruling exactly. class. And it's not a
1: competition. There's no there's no winning or losing there. It's just no. the more we can realign our that's interests one the, around, our, around class and yeah. less around the other things that are there specifically to distract
0: us, yeah. the better. And that's one of the things where you say, you know, I mean, you might say, like, I'm not trans, I'm not black, why is that my cause? Let's do class first. That affects everybody. You can't do that. You have no. to genuinely care about... Racism and uplift of the people lower than you because otherwise, this stuff like white supremacy is going to hold up the structures that are oppressing you. And again, the things super that swing stu- around and yeah, superstructure super and the swing that swing around and get you eventually from that are going to be worse than your benefits. So, you have to recognize, like, I have to recognize I am a cisgender white. Man, heterosexual. I have to recognize that. In the 21st century in America, you won the goddamn lottery. And not, and yeah, oh yeah. And not just like Macklemore it and do like a white privilege, you know, little song and pat myself on the back and say I'm the greatest guy. I mean, I have to genuinely, manifestly want to combat the very structures that give me power there. Because not only are they wrong. Mm -hmm. But they're robbing the other power I should just have as a regular human in this society that's taken away by the capitalism, and I can't defeat the last one that's hurting me more than these other ones are helping me unless I get rid of these other ones yeah you know so I mean we we're invested in this yes, and it- so I didn't want to I, I didn't want to blow past it too much no
1: no there is no blowing past yeah things. If there's anything this podcast doesn't do it's blow past things
0: yeah and, and Marx is going to disseminate that last quote he's going to say what Mandeville, an honest, clear-headed man, had not yet seen is the mechanism of the process of accumulation itself increases, along with the capital, the massive laboring power. So he's saying exactly what Mandeville is saying happens, but he didn't realize that as you accumulate more and more and more the way Mandeville says and you keep these people poor, there's going to be more and more of these people to keep poor, whether they just human population grows, because that's in the interest of capital, or people are flung from the ruling class. Down to the proletariat, like we talked about. And
1: we're going to get it even more because
0: we're going to get a whole section about throwing people in and out. That's right. Uh, I was going to skip down to Eden, unless you had a little bit in between. And if uh, you wanted nope, to get... Nope,
1: Nope, uh, I Go to Eden.
0: Okay. Uh, Sir F.M. Eden, in his The State of the Poor and the History of Laboring Classes in England, says, The natural produce of our soil is certainly not fully adequate to our substance. We can neither be clothed. Lodged nor fed, but in consequence of some previous labor, a portion at least of society must be Indic- indefatigably. Thank you. Employed. There, <laughs> there are others who, though they neither toil nor spin, can yet command the produce of industry, but who we owe their exemption from the labor solely to civilization and order. Again, mm-hmm. if you're so the manager class, civil law. Service. Yeah, <laughs> civil sir. You know law. Order these things, you know. Cops, they're they're keeping you from being a laborer. So I mean, again, you know, what, what do cops protect? I mean, then we'll, we'll get into that more with the uh, Satan revolution. But I mean, you, anytime you should hear order, you should go.
1: Ah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, So anyway, uh, they are peculiarly the creatures of civil institutions, which have recognized individuals may acquire property by various other means besides the exertion of our labor. Persons of independent fortune, oh, their superior um. advantages. What's it? No, this is just. Mm, this oh, okay. Good. Oh, their superior advantages by no means to any superior abilities of their own, but almost entirely to the industry of others. It is not the possession of land or of money, but the command of labor which distinguishes the opulent from the laboring part of the community. Again, that social relation yes. is what's vital. This. The scheme approved by Eden <laughs> would give the people of the property sufficient, but by no means too much influence and authority over those who work for them. It would place such labors, not an object or servile condition, but in such a state of easy and liberal dependence as all who know human nature and its mm. history will allow it to be necessary for their own comfort. Sir F.M. Eden, it may be remarked in his passing, is the only disciple of Adam Smith during the 18th century that produced any work of importance. <laughs> <Holy shit>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Marks. Oh, Marks. You um, might drop you son of a bitch. Oh, um, I was, love... Okay, so we're disseminating a lot. We're disseminating... Uh, do we have to disseminate that? That seemed pretty clear. I don't no, know. no, I don't okay. think... Yeah, I think that that is just, again, it's highlighting the good parts of
1: this text that I think if you weren't reading it, you deserve to hear.
0: Okay, yes,
1: definitely. So I will take over because I literally pick up right from there. Sweet. Under the conditions of accumulation we have assumed so far, conditions which are the most favorable to the workers, their relation of dependence on capital takes on forms which are endurable, or as Eden says, easy and liberal. <laughs> Instead of becoming more... Inte- Again, this is where we get back to the that liberalism is an ideological... Yeah. It's, a, it's an idealistic mentality. What Marx just said is what these guys are saying is assuming a best case scenario yeah. and it's still fucked up. Yeah. So instead of becoming more intensive with the growth of growth of capital, this relation of dependence only becomes more extensive. I.e. the sphere of capital's exploitation and domination merely extends with its own dimensions and the number of people subjected to it. Mm-hmm. A larger part of the worker's own surplus product, which is always increasing and continually being transformed into additional capital comes back to them in the means. of sh- of the in the shape of means of payment so that they can extend the circle of their enjoyments make additions to their consumption fund of clothes furniture etc and lay by a small reserve fund of money but these things no more abolish the exploitation of the wage laborer in his situation of dependence than do better clothing food and treatment and a larger peculium in the case of the slave a rise in the price of labor as a consequence of the accumulation of capital only means, in fact, that the length and weight of the golden chain the wage laborer has already forged for himself, allow it to be loosened
0: somewhat. Let's reread that again because that says it's important. A raise in the price of labor as a consequence of the accumulation of capital only means, in fact, that the length and weight of the golden chain of the wage worker has already forged for himself, allow relaxation of the tension of it. This is If you get paid more... Yes. But the capitalist
1: also is increasing his accumulation of capital, nothing about your relationship has changed. Nothing about the system has changed. This is an illusion that is intended to continue the capitalist system.
0: Anytime some Proud Boy or Proud Boy wannabe douchebag wants to tell you well why don't you move there why don't why do you want to live in america this great land where we have these iPhones and fancy shit and this is exactly what marx is talking about we as a country are are paid more we get the more enjoyable clothes and furniture and cars and iPhones and t- all we've done is lengthen our golden chains with the blood of our brothers and sisters around yes. the world yes <laughs> yeah. and it has done nothing nothing,
1: nothing to change the underlying again, yes you can be Put yourself in the middle manager class. Put yourself doing really well. You've got a, you've got your Lexus. You've got a nice. You've got a big old house. Um, but again, you are still at the end of the day, and this is important. This is important to realize is that though that's still the proletariat, guys. Just because you have nice stuff does not mean you are not a laborer does not mean you are not part of the laboring class does not mean and you You are not
0: beholden to capital and you better believe the capitalists don't want you to realize that they're gonna tell you what you don't appreciate anything you have you ungrateful you know the more it is the the
1: billionaires convincing the millionaires that the hundred thousand people are trying to take it it just pits every class you just pit smaller groups against each other when really if we all
0: looked around it's all of the hundreds, everyone's well, down to the labor. And I mean, let's let's get real with it. You know, I mean, you hear this stuff. Think about it. If you're a regular working class person making forty thousand dollars a year, they're pitting you against you know the people on immigrant. Uh, yeah, they're pitting you against immigrants. They're pitting you against people on SNAP. Yeah, you know, I mean, how dare you know? And and, and what the fuck is this? why you're not you're not ideologically against them? They're on your no. side. Being
1: well off, being in a position of comfort. Um, should not lessen your ability to recognize this as fact to recognize this as a truth and to see that we still can do better for everybody and uh, you sure as shit
0: better not let that comfort get in the way of you standing exactly. by Exactly. and class. that's
1: what it is Is you need to recognize that look you're in a pos- you're in a privileged position to be where you are but if you if, if your company decided you were no longer employable and, and and we're getting get laid off. How much? All the effing time. And again, yeah. it is not. If your skill set, if technology, if if the if the capitalist class through technology makes you obsolete, de-skills you, removes your skill set as a viable option. Hi, right, welcome, welcome to the rest of us. Welcome to the group, guys. Yeah. We there are there are things we can do to fix that. But you
0: have to recognize that you are part of this class too, yeah. and that you are f- fixing that without fixing the underlying classes always leaves potential for that. Exactly. You know, again, that's, and that's why we're, we're revolutionaries not reformists and we want to yes. reach down for the most oppressed of us and pull ourselves all up together. 100%. So, but we'll get to that a little more in depth as we go on because there is a
1: much more specific section.
0: So, Marx is going to go on a little bit and say, labor power is sold today not with a view of satisfying by its service or by its product the personal needs of a buyer. His aim is for augmentation of his capital, the production of commodities containing more labor than he pays for, containing therefore a portion of value that costs him nothing and that is nevertheless realized when the commodities are sold. So, again, someone has to have demand for to use for it or it's worthless. Yep. Okay. But the capitalist doesn't care if it's really actually useful, useful. He just wants it useful enough to buy for the value of the labor, and he wants to get it at the price of of the labor power, of less than that labor. That's all he cares. It could be worthless crap. I mean, they're... they're Like, you know, happy to sell you consumer bullshit. What's that? Often it is. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we live live in the United States now. I'm I'm sure you could identify some examples. I mean, look around the room (laughs) you're in. If you can't spot three, you're doing it wrong. Right, right. And uh, so he's saying labor power is only saleable as far as preserves the means of production and their capacity of capital, reproduces its own value as capital, and yields unpaid labor a source of additional capital. The conditions of its sale, whether more or less favorable to the laborer, include therefore the necess- necessity of its constant reselling and the constantly extended reproduction of all wealth in the shape of capital. Wages, if we've seen by their very nature, always imply performance of a certain quantity of unpaid labor on the part of the laborer. Yes.
1: And even if we leave aside the case where a rise of wages is accompanied by a fall in the price of labor, it is clear that at the best of times, an increase in wages means only a quantitative reduction in the amount of unpaid labor the worker has to supply. Mm -hmm. This reduction can never go so far as to threaten the system itself. Apart from violent conflict over the rate of wages, and Adam Smith already showed that such a conflict, the master by and large remained the master, a rise in the price of labor resulting from the accumulation of capital implies the following alternatives. Either the price of labor is going to keep on rising because its rise does not interfere with the process of accumulation, a.k.a. if you're getting raises, it is because those raises are going to keep everything the same as it is and they can afford to do that. Uh-huh. Or the other alternative, accumulation slackens as a result in the rise of the price of labor because the stimulus of the gain is blunted. Mm-hmm. Those are the two options when, you're, when your labor rises. Neither of them... This is, again, this is what we're talking about when Mark says... Because people said often stagnation oh well we can't raise wages or you'll get stagnated the system just doesn't work in that way you know yeah. way? labor gets out of control and you can't it beats it down and it crushes the system n- n- no 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 no. that's not that is not how this works that is not what happens here there are two ways that that system will go both of them keep the capitalists
0: going and they will find ways to do it yeah all right, so I'm, I'm good until section two from there. Uh, it's pretty I, close to the end of section
1: two. Pretty close. I have the, last, the a last little chunk for section two. The law of capitalist accumulation, mystified by the economists into a supposed law of nature, in fact expresses the situation that the very nature of accumulation excludes every diminution in the degree of exploitation of labor and every rise in the price of labor, which could seriously imperil the continual reproduction on an ever larger scale of the capital relation. It cannot be otherwise in a mode of production in which the worker exists to satisfy the need of the existing values of valorization as opposed to the inverse situation in which objective wealth is there to satisfy the worker's own need for development. Just as a man is governed in religion by the products of his own brain, so in capitalist production, he is governed by the products of his own hand. <laughs>
0: Welcome to section two, boys yeah. and girls. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, and that's what Marx is talking about, right? Of course, you know, this is not a law of nature. No. They'll, they'll say that. They will. Um, But basically, you know, just, just like what you think tells you what to do, you know, what, what you're producing is going to tell you how to live your life mm-hmm. in an in uh, economy of production. And uh yeah, I mean think about it, you know, what do you identify like hey what do you do for a living? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: That is the question we ask and it's always it's never I made a thing or I did you know right.